The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. When the days were completed for their purification, according to the law of Moses, the parents of Jesus took him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Just as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that opens the womb shall be consecrated to the Lord, and to offer the sacrifice of a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, in accordance with the dictate in the law of the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, awaiting the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. <clears throat> it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Christ of the Lord. He came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents were brought in, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform the custom of the law in regard to him, he took him into his arms and blessed God, saying, Lord, now let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. My own eyes have seen the salvation which you prepared in the sight of every people, a light to reveal you to the nations and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be contradicted, and you yourself a sword will pierce, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. The Gospel of the Lord. One of the most important things that's pointed out in our first reading today is that there, there are things that have already been given to the faithful, um, like, like the law, like the Ten Commandments. And then there are things that have already been given to the church as well. And one of the things I'd mentioned before when we were talking about, sometimes we have one our, our, some of our more apocalyptic gospels and things like that. And that's been kind of a focus for a lot of folks right now just because of the the times going on in the world and different prophecies and different books that are out there, a lot of people have been refocusing on, you know, the second coming of Jesus and thinking about that quite a bit again. But Jesus really gives us an idea of what we should be doing all along in the first place. There are things that he has given us to practice, and if we follow and practice those things, that's our primary way of actually being prepared in the world. They're, they're not like weird, unusual, intricate preparations. It's the same preparation that he's always been giving us from the beginning. So he gives us his commandments, and then he comes, and then he fulfills his commandments. And then when he leaves, when he ascends into heaven, and he's no, long, no longer the walking, talking, walking with us on this earth, Jesus, the thing that he gives us are the sacraments of the church. That's the continuing ministry of the church that we all have to practice. And so when we stay close to the church and when we stay close to the sacraments, that's the ordinary means 
with which we're receiving God's sanctifying grace into our lives. And if we're doing that, then we're doing really the, the primary means of how to be prepared in this world. There was, there was a, um, a priest that came to us. I, I would think that Father Stephen and I were in the seminary at the same time when this happened, probably, but his name is Mon- Monsignor Trapp, and he'd worked in one of the seminaries in D- Detroit for a long time. And I'll never forget when he said this to us. He said, he said, brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ has conquered sin and death. We are simply part of the cleanup effort. <laughs> you know, and he was reminding us that we are ministers to help him in that, in that effort, that we have to never forget, though, that he has already conquered. And I think sometimes we, we do forget that. Uh, but there's a great reminder of the gifts that God gives us already to be in his grace. So some of you probably pray um, either, either the Liturgy of the Hours in its entirety or, or, or parts of it, because I know some of you are part of um, some communities in different ways, whether that's a Benedictine Oblate or, or a Third Order Carmelite or something, something like that. And so if there's anybody who's ever interested in praying a part of the Liturgy of the Hours, one of the things I would probably recommend is, is night prayer. Night prayer is one of the briefest parts of the breviary. And so just as that recap, Liturgy of the Hours is what Father Stephen, Deacon Chuck, and I have to pray, where we, we promise to pray at our ordination. So Liturgy of the Hours is five different prayer times during the day. So you start with Office of Readings, and then there is Morning Prayer, and then there are three different midday offices, but you can choose one of those three, and then Evening Prayer and Night Prayer for five different prayer times during, during the day. And Night prayer is very brief, though, like literally less than five minutes, a few minutes to pray night prayer. But this canticle that we hear today, uh, Simeon's prayer right here, is actually in every night prayer. You pray these very words that he said, you know, Lord, now let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. My own eyes have seen the salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of every people, a light to reveal you to the nations and the glory of your people, Israel. So, it's interesting when these things pop up when you pray them on a daily basis. But it's a beautiful way to end your night. And again, the reason that we pray that prayer is it's the prayer of the church. We pray it for all of you and also for ourselves. We, in fact, pray the liturgy hours for the world. It's one of the formal public parts of the, of the prayer of the church. So these are all the things that we do to bring grace into our lives that God has given us. And when we carry those things out with fidelity, then there's really nothing to fear because we're truly doing all the things that God actually gave us to live in his love. And if we do that, then we're able to sort of cast away the darkness. Uh, lastly, I'll say somebody just uh, asked me the other day, they said, Father, is it, you know, is it a sin to hold a grudge? I was like, yes. <laughs> you know, it's like, yes. And we hear that in our first reading today. Uh, holding a grudge is not forgiving somebody. It's not forgiving your brother, your sister, whoever the heck it might be out in the world. It, it is required of us, just as God forgives us our sins, it is required of us to forgive others, especially those who transgress directly against us. It might not be always easy, um, but it is also possible to forgive somebody and still have some of the consequences of that sin, like a little bit of residual anger or difficulty getting over it completely, but you can still be, bestow forgiveness on somebody and still deal with the challenges of, of, that, of that sin being, you know, 
against you, but it is necessary for us to forgive one another to enter the kingdom of God. And so we have to remember that in our life, that it's one of the primary things that Jesus came to do is to forgive sins. And so we follow just like him, as it says in our first reading. We follow in his footsteps, and so we forgive others. God bless you all.